session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Talaki, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Very happy to have the author of the book of the week with me tonight, Jamal Aflatuni, who I'll uh, introduce to you in just a second. Um, he wrote the book Space Between Us, which was the book of the week from last week, and very, very happy to get to have him on the show tonight. But before I do so, let me tell you a bit about him. Jamal Aflatuni is a local author in the Bay Area, living in Walnut Creek with his wife and daughter, Eliana. Growing up in his hometown of Pendleton, Oregon, Jamal always had a passion for astronomy, writing, and science fiction novels, and Carl Sagan's Contact in particular was a favorite. Jamal studied sociology at the University of Oregon, where he grew an interest in the study of society, cultures, and lifestyles. Witnessing the divisiveness, bigotry, and violence plaguing our nation inspired him to write Space Between Us, a story about a boy, but more so a story about us as a society. And let me bring him on. Uh, Jamal, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yes, hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, so I, I read your book, really enjoyed it. Um, it was a, a page-turner, and, you know, we talked before the show about how and this is tough because i have um, guests sometimes on but usually it's for non-fiction books so there really aren't any spoilers in that just the different <laughs> facts or studies and things that come up but because your book is a, is a book of fiction and there's a lot of uh, i don't even say twists and turns but there's things that hopefully the readers will, will get to find out for themselves uh, we want to be aware of that so that people i hope you will buy the book space between us and read it for yourself so we'll get a bit into the book and some parts of the plot without giving too much away but first, before we even get into that, I, I wanted to know more about what made you, you know, there was a, a sentence there in the description, but tell me a bit about what made you want to write this book. Yeah, you know, so as a kid growing up, I had uh, I'd always wanted to write about stories. You know, I was just kind of always in uh, an imagination form, if you will, just thinking about, you know, uh, what life would be like living in the story of a fictional character. And so um, I'd actually sort of developed the idea for this uh, specific story on uh, Space Between Us around the time that I was in college, and I just never really got around to writing it because I was just busy with life. And then, um, you know, without getting too political, uh, you know, in 2016, when the uh, presidential election was happening, everything was just very heated, uh, you know, everything was very charged as it came to uh, so many things being polarizing and, mm -hmm. and divisive that I thought, you know, this is a good time uh, for me to write this book. And um, I guess the downside of, of living in the Bay Area and, and working in San Francisco, but living outside of it is that you have a long, long commute into work. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I was able to actually write most of the book on my commute. So I take the train into work, not anymore because everyone's working remotely, but yeah. at the time I take the train into work uh, every day, and it's about an hour each way, so two hours a day, and I just worked on it for a good two or three years um, just on my commute, and I said, you know, I'm going to do something with my time on this long commute that I have. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as my inspiration, I mean, that's really what sort of kind of boiled down to it was 
seeing how divided we were becoming as a society. And obviously there's more to the story uh, than just, you know, talking about, you know, society at large. But um, that's really what made me kind of want to get into this book a little bit further. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, these issues, uh, social issues, I talk about them on the show. People write and talk about them. But often through fiction, through art, we can express some ideas or give a different perspective. And I definitely felt that in the book, you know, because you see, again, without giving too much away, but who we consider us and them it could be so many things that in one context it might be one way, but then it might expand. Your us can expand to include more people or the other way we can contract and think, no, this is my group or tribe. And there's this other that's scary. And that, that theme came up throughout the book a lot that we tend to be afraid of what appears different from us and what we don't know, that fear of the unknown. Um, so I think, unfortunately, as you're saying, we're seeing that more and more across the world, but also in the United States where people who just think different or are different political clans or tribes thinks that, think they have to hate each other or be afraid of each other. And we're seeing the unfortunate consequences of that. Um, and so the book uh, surrounds the main character, Darwin Sanders, and we, we get to learn a lot about him and you learn more and more uh, throughout the book. You know, I sometimes wondered as I was reading it, often they say, some of fiction is always partially autobiographical. So <laughs> was there any of that for you in writing this book that you related to this protagonist, the main character? Yeah, no, it's funny I get asked that sometimes. Yeah. And not really. Um, you know, I think the only thing that I could potentially relate to to an extent is, uh, you know, I uh, I grew up in a very small town, uh, mm-hmm. predominantly uh, white, and um, I'm I'm half Persian, uh, so you know I don't have the full experience of of you know someone that you know had, comes from a, a full Persian background. But I think because you know my name, last name Aflatuni, uh, uh, you know a little bit darker than the most of the kids that 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 I went to school with, I I, I was uh, not treated differently by any means. But I think that you know yeah, kids maybe saw it as a little bit odd. You know, mm. like, what kind of last name is that? You mm-hmm. know, like. Where are you from? Oh, uh, you know, Iran. I've never heard of that. You know, just, just so I think in, in that sense, you know, the main character in this story, you know, experiences a lot of, um, you know, sort of outsider feeling, uh, mm-hmm. if you will, um, that he just doesn't really feel like he belongs. That he doesn't relate to people that well. Um, and I don't think I got that necessarily as much when, when mm-hmm. I grew up, but to an extent, just given the fact that. I was the only other Persian kid, you know, in my in my entire in my entire class. So I think in that sense is a little bit different. But outside of that, no, not really. Nothing really that would have been uh, autobiographical. Got it. Yeah, uh, yeah. We see Darwin has a lot of just feeling different, feeling uh, left out. He gets bullied by some kids in particular, but in general, he so he has a skin condition, vitiligo, where there's patches of his skin that are you know discolored, and so he just looks mm-hmm. different, and he has this sense always of being. Um, a little bit different and sadly many people treat him worse for being different some people actually see him for just being a a being and he does have some of those experiences as well that you see and yeah I could get what you're saying Um, you know even being bicultural as you are that's kind of like a space between us like there are these within yourself there are these two different cultures and people often actually can have a hard time trying to integrate that into their whole person 
um, uh, you know, so I could see that you had some of that living in a town also where you your name might have been a little bit different, complexion might have been a little bit different. So it seems that you're not, wouldn't say you're so much like Darwin, but some of those themes you, you might have experienced in your own life. And I think that's a lot of what art is, is doing is that we're not going to ever, we might relate to a character, even reading the book, I related to Darwin, I related to, to other people, not as if I thought I was exactly them, but parts of their experience I could relate to as just this living um, experience that we can go through. So I thought that was nice that I felt that in the book that um, you could really see the different characters and different parts of them might relate to you as well. So maybe you see yourself some of Darwin, some of Tyler, who also um, he meets in high school in, at Crimson um, and, and all of that. So I could I could imagine there's some of a lot of you throughout the book, even if it's not exactly your life story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, there's always sort of a, a feeling when you're really young, you're still trying to figure yourself out, you know, where you kind of feel um, not just that you don't belong, but also that uh, maybe there's something more to my life than I than I know, you know, or that I'm aware of right now that that's going to be made aware later on down the line. That's exactly what you know was the case with with Darren, as I'm sure as I'm sure you know. And for any you know reader who's who's going to read the book, obviously they they, they come to realize who who Darwin is as a person, right? You know, mm-hmm. more than just more than just a boy. Yeah, we, you know, we we get to learn learn about him, and as you said, even if we don't necessarily go through it like he did, oftentimes in our adolescence young adult age we come to learn who we are a bit more so i think that theme was in the book as well now he he gets kind of some news that helps him understand that in a way that most people won't necessarily relate to but i think often we still can have that experience of uh you know learning about ourselves and who we are and sometimes we're even a stranger to ourselves to some degree. You know, we don't fully know all the aspects of ourselves until we start to experience things and express uh, those different parts. So I thought about that also in Darwin's experience that we, we see that happening in a larger scale. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. Yeah. You know, this theme um, you brought up, uh, you know, things being d- divided, the polarization, that theme comes up a lot in the book as well, even just people being you know, well, for now, I'll just call it anti-immigration. You know, that theme comes up with people not being uh, supportive of people that they might see as as different from them. Was there anything in your own life? I know you mentioned being a little bit different or what you were seeing in the world. What what made this seem so important for you to talk about? Because that was one of the main themes I took from the book is recognizing how we see this other as so different from us but maybe they're really not. So I'm wondering if there was something there that was significant to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Baha'i, and, and so growing up as a Baha'i, I have a very uh, 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 specific way of how I kind of view other human beings, and I really see all human beings as one, right? Mm-hmm. One, one human race. And so, you know, I, I was thinking why, you know, society in general, I mean, it doesn't even just relate to, America that can be across the world, there's always going to be um, you versus the other, and why, you know, we, we think in that specific way. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we just don't understand the, the other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so we create this space, we create this division between us, because we don't actually understand um, 
where this person is coming from. Right? We have these sort of preconceived notions based on what's happened in history and things like that to where we say that, uh, yeah, I don't like this person uh, because they stand for this or because they look like this. Um, without really even getting to know them, and I think if you know people really you know took a step back and realized we're all humans, you know, it's mm-hmm. like we're all living on this earth together and trying to work together to make it a better place for not only ourselves but for future generations. And so, um, yeah, I, I think um, that was really what got me so motivated again to write to write this book was that. Um, I think my way of thinking and how I view the other, so to speak, is I want to learn as much as I can about them to be able to actually understand what makes them them. Because I think if I really uh, boiled down to it and got to know them better, that I would realize that there really isn't that much difference uh, between us as human beings. Obviously, you know, there's going to be uh, uh, small you know changes here and there, maybe cultural differences and things like that. But for the most part, you know, we we're good people and, and we want to do good in this world. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, that's sort of the thing for me is I think it boils down to education, right. And really, mm-hmm. uh, educating ourselves to understand how we as a society function and how we can really understand the rest of the people around us and to make this world a better place. Mm. Yeah, that I totally agree with you. Um, this sense that, because someone is different you know there is a human tendency when something is different it, we notice it it brings it's brought to our attention but uh and so some people will conclude i've even seen people write articles well then you know racism is inborn or innate because we see these studies of where babies will differentiate between you know faces of someone from their own race versus someone that's different from their race and, and to me it means you notice it but does it mean you're gonna have to respond in a negative way that I think is much right. more you know learned, and there's a lot more there. And and as you're saying about knowledge or knowing about the other, whatever that other means, um, when we don't know, we fill in the gaps. And so if you think about turning off the lights and you're in the dark, people usually get scared of the dark because we when we don't see what's there and we don't know what's there, we imagine something really dangerous is there. But if you turn on the light, you see nothing. Nothing's there. Everything is safe and okay. And so I think the same thing is true about people in groups that. When we don't know, we fill in the gaps with all these scary things, trying to protect ourselves. That defensive, protective side comes out. But if, as you're saying, we get to know them, we turn on the lights and see who they are and see that they're just like us. Yeah, there's differences, but when it boils down to it, as you said, we tend to, to be the same and our humanness connects us. Well, then you see there there is nothing to be scared of and there's a lot to love rather than hate. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. I mean, I think, and that's sort of the the biggest issue right now that kind of just plagues everyone right now is these, you know, barriers that we put up between mm-hmm. others and and uh, the prejudices that we have um, just based on you know what has been told to us or what we've just you know concocted in our own minds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're just about at a commercial break, but you know, it's interesting. I even said humans, and we're talking about things that I don't want to give you know a lot about the book away. But <laughs> I was actually thinking after break, I wanted to hear some of your thoughts about uh, life on other planets. Not necessarily having to get too deep into that, but just some thoughts even of how we treat all living beings, because I thought about that while reading the book as well. So again, joining me tonight, Jamal Aflatuni, author of Space Between Us. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. Again, tonight I am joined by the author of the book Space Between Us, Jamal Aflatuni. Let me bring him back on the air now. Jamal, you're still there? I am, yes. All right, great. So, as I mentioned before the break, not getting too much into spoilers of the book, but it is a science fiction uh, novel and there is um, themes of space and other planets and things of that sort. So, uh, you know, I know it's an easy question to answer, but do you think there's life on other planets? Uh, I do. I, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of go back to, and I'm, you know, it's in the bio as well, one of my uh, favorite books, uh, Contact, mm -hmm. which is also made into a movie. I, I personally like the book a little more, but the movie is also great as well. And I think, um, you know, there's a line in there that talks about how when you kind of understand the vastness of the entire universe and, you know, the how many, you know, billions of galaxies there are in the universe and just the sheer number of stars that are in each individual galaxy, you almost kind of have to think there's no way that there could possibly not be life mm -hmm. on other planets. And it might not be the life that we know it right now as, as human beings, but something uh, in that form. Um, so yes, I, I, I do think that there is life on on other planets in some form, uh, whether or not, you know, we will discover that in my lifetime or my children's lifetime, who knows, but I, yeah, I do think uh, uh, that definitely that exists. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that too, I think. Well, I mean, and I said life, and I think we found some life or, um, or I should say uh, evidence that there's life even on other planets in our solar system or that there might have been some kind, but now right, life, right. meaning yeah. like maybe unicellular type stuff. But um, I guess I also meant more like intelligent life, which I still think that's what your answer was, was addressing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, intelligent life, I definitely agree. I think, you know, some form of intelligent life, maybe not in the way that we know it as like human beings, but yeah, it, it, in the vastness of this entire universe, so I think, you know, it's like there almost has to be, right? Just because yeah. it's so incredibly large. Yeah, I think these things, of course, it's a lot of, uh, you know, we only can speculate because we obviously don't know. Um, but I think, yeah, with the vastness, as you're saying, the billions and trillions of, uh, of stars, and we don't even know exactly how many galaxies and all the, those things, it seems likely to me now what that means. And as you said, you know, one thing as, as a psychologist constantly learning about how we think and how we have biases in different ways, we obviously think, well, when I imagine an intelligent life form, I imagine something human-like or because of what we've seen in science fiction books and movies, you know, maybe something like what we see in alien movies, like the green, the green guys. But, um, you know, it could be so different and something we can't even imagine or wrap our heads around. Right. But I do think there, it makes sense that there's some type of um, intelligent life form. And, and so in reading your book, it's it brought to my mind this thought of, well, you know, sometimes we talk about even like you're saying, well, we're all, you know, human beings and treating each other well, but what would we do if we encountered life on another planet or if they visited us or, you know, our technology advanced and we're visiting them? How would that go? Uh, I think, unfortunately, the, a sad um, world history of the of Earth shows that oftentimes it doesn't go well when new uh, civilizations meet one another. Oftentimes it has not gone well. I, I would hope that we would advance to the point where that would not be the case. But I want to see uh, or hear your thoughts about that, which that theme kind of does come up in the book. But what, what do you think about about that? I know it's a very abstract kind of a thing. We just wanted to yeah. hear, hear what you think. No, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of with you. You know, I, I, I think that I'm not quite sure that it would go well. Um, and that's, you know, part of the reason why I talk about a lot of the themes that are in this book. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, 
because of our history, and we, like you said, we've we've seen how when new civilizations come into contact with one another, that um, uh, it's met with a lot of violence. And um, again, I think it kind of goes back to something that's different, you know, and having this fear of what is different. And so I think something that um, massive, right, you know, if alien life forms were to come in contact with Earth, it would scare people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, for, whether it's good or bad, you know, scary, like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. This is, you know, life from another planet. We never thought that this day would come, that we would, you know, we'd be around mm-hmm. when this happened. I mean, I'm pretty sure we would all feel that way. And, of course, then you have, you know, the, the, the spectrum, oh, well, we, we, we don't want them here. They're probably, you know, coming here to kill all of us, and then, you know, we should wage war against them. And maybe I'm being a little bit traumatic, but I, I just think that there would be so many wave of emotions that would come from people mm-hmm. um, if that were to happen, you know, with alien life forms visiting us. But I think the the question that you asked, which I'm actually more curious about, is um, rather than what we would think of them and how we would react towards them coming to Earth is, what would they think of us, you know? Right. Um, uh, seeing how we are as a society and how we've interacted as a society, you know, um, obviously a lot of division, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, historical racism, um, uh, people killing one another. I mean, there's a lot of issues in this world, a lot of good things in this world as well. I don't want to just paint it as a, as a negative picture. Um, but how would they think of us? And, and would we be proud of who we have become as a civilization that we would say, like, yeah, we've done good on this earth that we've created. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I'm really more curious about. Yeah. So it's kind of like, how, are, are they going to judge us for for how we are? And, right. and and it's hard, you know, these things, again, are so speculative. But I think it can be interesting to ponder because it can bring up some concepts or ideas that can relate to life now and what we experience. Um, but even, you know, I've, I've read some theories or so many different people have thought about these ideas where, you know, once a civilization has the technology to do space travel in the degree they would need to find other life they would take themselves out you know because they create weapons that could then kill them so maybe that's why we haven't seen them either because that could be happening or uh you know we kind of touched on this on the commercial break but things like would they visit us if they see as you're saying the state of things on our planet would would they come visit us if they could you know it's hard to know you know that's it's all these interesting uh, themes but i i do think it brings to mind the sense that uh, another thing, as you were saying, you know, these people, the pla- you know, another being, alien life form coming to our planet. I think we're so heavily influenced by the movies and books that have come out, which oftentimes have a, you know, there's a negative. They're coming here because they ran out of resources or to take, you know, to kill right. us or something like that. So I think people, unfortunately, have that in their mind. Probably, you know, life imitates art or I think imitates the psychology when, you know, something like this hasn't happened. We always have a fear of an unknown. So when you think of someone coming to our planet, the first thought is they're going to kill us. We have to protect ourselves. And But maybe for a, a civilization to be able to travel that far, they would have to achieve some level of unity to be able to, to do something like that. That's something I also ponder on or think about. So uh, maybe if they're coming here, they, they would be coming in peace because they, they would have to be peaceful and unified in order to make that happen. But again, all very, very speculative, but I think it could be fun to think about. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I think about. I always, uh, uh, you know, love thinking about these extreme hypothetical scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, who knows? 
hundreds, thousands of years from now, maybe they won't be that hypothetical. Right. But yeah, it's definitely something I think about too. Yeah, I I think another thing that could happen or or brings up again this theme of this us versus them. Whereas you're saying, you know, on planet Earth, even within every country, we, we'll see a lot of division that is still going on. But then once there is some other, any type of group tends to band, band together and become an us. So mm. it could be interesting if we encountered another life form. Now, hopefully it wouldn't be hostile, but either way, would that make earthlings kind of band together it's like hey we're all on earth we're we're together and they're like the other so it's an interesting dynamic that could also come into play of realizing there we're more of an us now then i think then hopefully we'd achieve an interplanetary us as well where we see that well we can all um live together and that theme comes up too of could there be exchange between uh different groups that they can actually help each other rather than um we have to be against one another we you know we have to be afraid of one another so i thought you know it's interesting you brought up so many different themes in the book um that made me really think about our current life on earth and how we are united and divided in different ways yeah and it's funny you you, you mentioned that and even when i was you know i mean writing this book understanding you know would there be ways in which we could potentially become united what what, what could happen that would make us a united civilization mm-hmm. and, and it's funny you mentioned that i think that, that in a way which i guess necessarily isn't a good thing per se either but um like you said when there is an other introduced or a them that's mm-hmm. introduced um the 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 group that was once divided tends to band together to form yeah. against that 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 other so to speak right and so in this instance it's like if we were visited by alien life forms whether they were hostile or not would we unite together to kind of band up against them? And I, I, I would hope that would not be the case because I still don't think that's a good thing either. But it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Like, you know, how would we react now, feeling like, oh, we are all together in this as Earthlings trying to survive? So, to speak. so yeah. it's an interesting one, and it's one that I kind of you know struggle with in, in, in writing in this book for sure. Yeah, because I think it's. Uh, I was having that thought uh, talking about it that I wouldn't want that to be the reason. We band together, but it does happen right. a lot. It's a very, which I think in a way it could be, I don't know if it is the fastest, but one of the fastest ways to bring people together is to create a common enemy. So that does happen. Right. <laughs> but there's also evidence, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of there's a study in, uh, I think it was by Sharif or something like that. Is I forget the author's name, but from a long time ago, this camp and the study has been a little bit you know, the exact workings of it. Some people have issue with, but nonetheless, the theme of it was there was these two groups of kids and they kind of had them um, pitted against each each other by giving them teams. And then they were, you know, doing nasty things to each other, but then they had them have to work on something together. It was like pulling a bus or a cart that was stuck in the mud. So they all had to band together to actually work together. So in a sense, the common enemy was a problem or something you know, uh, not another, a group or people. So they actually did band together. So I, I would hope that that would be the route that we find uh, as as humans, as a way of we're actually working together to eradicate problems that are hurting each other or hurting certain individuals, that that would right. be our, you know, the common cause rather than the common enemy would be our, sure. uh, you know, path towards unity. But yeah, it is something interesting. I think if it would happen now, with the state of affairs currently, it might bring everyone together, but would it be for the right reason? It might be to attack this new, you know, 
life form we were encountering. And I would hope we would find a way to, again, find a common cause, which would be helping all of humanity rather than we want to kill someone else to protect protect ourselves. But I guess time well, and maybe agree. a lot of time uh, will have to tell what's going to happen there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and, I, and I hope that it would be, like you said, for a common cause rather than a common enemy. But, uh, you know, who, who knows? It's one of those things where uh, we'll probably never really quite know. Uh, yeah. And uh, we just hope that it would be for, for something that would be for a good thing. I hope so. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think I find myself being optimistic. And I think in the book, you know, you do toe that line where there is, uh, I think, a general optimism. But, you know, the real negative and nasty parts of the world shine through with lots of you right. know like the yeah you you know if you want to call it, not even racism but things like that or treating just people who are different from you negatively you see that but you also see the compassion of of friends of of people even you know Darwin himself was very committed to helping others um you know, maybe it started because of a crush on a girl that got him into to volunteering a bit too. But nonetheless, he finds how meaningful it could be to serve others. And I thought that was also a nice theme that was woven into the book was um, helping others and how it actually helps you feel good. I, I'm assuming this is another one of those parts that partially that's based on autobiographical experience. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Obviously, I was <clears throat> raised to, uh, you know, being being a Baha'i at the end as well is this, um, finding ways for how we can serve others and serve society at large. Um, you know, how are we being of service to people? Um, and that was kind of always something that was ingrained to me as a kid and from my parents is, you know, are you helping others in some fashion? You know, it's great that you're focusing on yourself in terms of you know, your education, your schooling and things like that, but also keeping others in mind. And so, you know, I, I did a lot of uh, you know, youth uh, service activities and things like that growing up. I actually did a, a year of service in another country in, in, in Venezuela. So, yeah, that that aspect, I guess you're right. You're asking about, you know, is there anything about this book that's autobiographical? That would be one element, right? Because uh, I just, I was encouraged a lot to do that kind of thing, whether or not, you know, at a young age, like, I really don't want to. But when I actually did, I enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I obviously hope to, you know, instill that sort of, uh, uh, ideal uh, of service to others uh, and my kids as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think um, you know the the characters might be partially autobiographical, but as I'm talking to you about it, I recognize the world view. Now, sometimes you might point the ugly things of the world that you want to put a flashlight on, but also your vision for the world. I think that probably shines through in the book too of what you're hoping um, to see. And there's some you know sad things that happen in the book too. But I think there is definitely some messages that you make clear about people coming together, of respecting one another, treating each other with kindness, and that we all benefit when we help one another. Um, I think your vision of, uh, your hopeful vision of the world is also in there as well. Absolutely. No, yeah. for sure. You know, we're, we're uh, at our last commercial break, but after the break, I, you know, we could talk a bit more about the book. I also wanted to talk to you, you know, it's so nice to have an author on the show to talk about you know your process in writing the book oftentimes when people want to do anything new there are some doubts or you know there's a lots of i can do it later or i will do it later but i want to get some of your sense of what your process was like 
in, in writing the book, I think it could encourage me, but also others who are thinking of, of taking on some projects. So after the break, uh, chatting some more with the author of the book, Space Between Us, Jamal Aflatuni. We'll be right back. Welcome back again. Joined tonight by author Jamal Aflatuni, who wrote the book Space Between Us. Uh, Jamal, as I mentioned before the break, um, you know, it, it's tough because we want to talk about the book, and we did, but we don't want to do too many spoilers. So uh, we don't, didn't talk about too much of the plot, but I hope people will read the book and, and get to experience it for themselves, as I got to do this week. I thought it could be cool to hear your thoughts and your experience in, in writing the book, um, because if I, I think you're working on a second book and that this would be your first book. So I can imagine there was a whole process of, you know, the idea percolating in your head to it actually becoming a published thing. There was a lot of, uh, you know, things that happened in between there. So maybe if you could share a bit about that process, you know, how long ago this idea was in your head and, and what that process of actually making it into a book was like for you. Yeah, and, and so I think, yeah, I mentioned um, at, the, at the beginning of the show, um, I really had this idea for this specific book when I was in college. It was around like 2009 or so. Um, you know, in college, you know, we're always <laughs> thinking about, you know, ways in which how we can improve society. And, and mm-hmm. I think this is sort of one of those books or an idea of a book that I had to kind of express um my feelings on, on, on how the world was sort of heading. And so I, I really just put it off. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that, um, you know, I didn't have time or I just didn't really think that I'd be able to do it because I didn't have any writing experience, um, that I wouldn't really be able to like, you know, hunker down and actually, and actually get it done. And part of the issue was that I didn't really know where to start. Like I had the, the story or the the concept of the story in my head, but how do you really kind of deliver that into a full blown novel, if you will? Um, and so, like I said, around the you know uh, you know 2016 uh, election, when a lot of things were just heating up across the country, I thought, you know what, maybe I should really like get working on this because I think it's it's a good time to the to talk about this you know specific message or the themes that you see in the book, and. Um, as I said, I, I wrote a lot of it on my commute into work. Uh, I got most of it done throughout that time. But the process was really, you know, creating an outline, kind of delivering how, how I wanted the book to be structured in in order, chapter by chapter. And, and, you know, then after the outline was completed, really just writing the story and filling in a lot of the, you know, gaps of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dialogue and, and interactions with certain characters and things like that. You know, I think what made it the most challenging for me um, was just the sheer amount of time uh, because it's not like, oh, you're just writing out a story and that's <laughs> it. No, you have to, you know, you're not going to be able to write it out all in one sitting. Uh, sometimes you might even put it off for like a week, especially if you have a full-time job like, like I do. Uh, and so to be able to pick up right where you left off and even just trying to remember what you had previously written mm-hmm. can be hard. And obviously you have to read it over multiple times to make sure that everything is grammatically correct and, and all that stuff. Um, and so uh, 
the time is what was really the hard part for me just because it, I felt like I was just spending a lot and a lot of time on it and you almost feel like you're not making that much progress but then mm-hmm. when you see the progress over time and you, you start getting more towards the beat of the story and you get towards the end uh, it's definitely a rewarding feeling and so I think um, for me not being someone that has any writing experience not an author and still learning I can't even call myself an author just because it's not really what I what I do, it's more of just kind of a passion writing to me, um, that really anybody can do something like this, you know, a, a project or an idea that you have that you just don't think you can make into a reality. Um, I, I always encourage people that if you really want to do something, you really have to dedicate the time to do it and and it'll get done and and, and that's just kind of what i did with this was just making sure every day on my commute like no i'm not gonna like you know watch a show on netflix or i'm not gonna try <laughs> to take a nap before i get to work like i'm really just gonna focus every day on my commute that i'm gonna do this and it got and it got done and you know i mean i hired an editor that obviously helps to you know make you know all the grammatical errors and, and things like that um and that was sort of the process and then once everything got completed um, you know, creating a cover and, and getting it published, and and, uh, and that's that's where it is today. And I was mm-hmm. able to publish it, uh, I guess it was a little over two years ago now. Very cool, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things as you were talking, I had like a few, a few thoughts. I'll try to see which ones, um, you know, I, I can share right now. One of them was, you know, like, oh, I don't consider myself an author, but I, I mean, you are, you wrote a book. And I think that actually, I think, shows how we can think about it, like we imagine author is this person that is like, you know, has some kind of status or like, you know, they just were born to write. But I think an author is anyone who's written a book or writes, you know, it would be an author. So I think sure. it, it was through action that you became, it's funny, like that verb turned you into a noun. So you wrote a, a book and it made you an author because now that's what you've, you've done. And I think a lot of times we have that where we hold ourselves back because well, I'm not a, a dancer or a comedian or right. a, whatever it is. We think we're not that because we, it's almost like this, it's like something you're born as and that's it. And either you are it or you're not, but almost anything, that kind of a thing that we're talking about, you have to take the steps as you were saying, and then you become that. So um, I think you definitely are an author because you wrote a book and you put the time in to make that happen, which I think is very uh, commendable. And I hope everyone listening and myself included will recognize that because I think everyone has something. It doesn't have to be a book. It might even be exactly art related. It might even be like going back to school or working on some kind of project or helping with something that we put off for a variety of reasons. And, you know, some of the things you said, they're real things, but they're also things that we can make as an excuse. Well, I don't have the time or I I can't do it or, you know, the feeling of I, I don't know how to do it. But, you know, we have to just start. So I think starting is one of the biggest um, the hardest parts for so many people is that we put something off because we, we, you know, we come up with all the excuses to do that. But I think it's great that you realize you have to just jump into it. And there was some things that pushed you a little bit more that gave you that extra motivation, but you, you made it happen. And I, I think that's wonderful. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm reflecting on for myself and things that I'd like to, to work on. Cause I talked to you on the commercial break. I think we, we tend to think, well, th- there'll be a time for this or at the right time, or somehow it'll fall into my lap or something is going to happen that'll make it. So this gets done. Uh, but usually that doesn't happen. It just, me- it, it just boils down to us taking that step and then making it into a reality and you know I'm, I'm holding your book in my hand in front of me and so clearly you did that you took the steps and it was you know wasn't 
a few steps. It was lots and lots of little steps. Um, but over time, you, you got to that finish line of having the book done. And I think that's remarkable and, and you know, inspirational. As you said, you had a full-time job as you were writing the book. So, uh, you know, I think that makes the time excuse seem less reasonable for most people. They probably have to find the time just like anything in our lives that we want to do. But I think it's really uh, inspiring that you you made that happen to make this book a reality. And the only thing that made it a reality was your, your hard work and dedication to make it so. Yeah, no, and I, and I appreciate that. I think you, you kind of really hit it, right? It's the starting. Like, actually, like, yeah. rather than just talking about it, rather than just being an idea in your head, is actually beginning that. Um, and I think that once I sort of started working on it and I made it a point to finish it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have it be one of these things that I start and then I don't finish. Like, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna finish this, you know? And then, and, and, and you almost, it almost kind of becomes like a, a competition within yourself like hmm. no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this you know like I, I've, I've doubted myself before on, on various things that I wanted to do but this one I'm gonna I'm gonna do and you, you almost kind of make it a challenge and uh, and, and it could be hard you, you know it could be a struggle and I think if it's something that you're really passionate about and you and you really want to make sure that it's completed you'll get it done mm-hmm. yeah I think that the starting is uh, is so tough but of course you know it's not that once you start it's finished now you got to do all the work the hard work to, to get there and clearly you right. did that and as you, you know you're saying you're thinking about it like an idea and I think we all have these ideas and you know there's so many cliche statements that can be true in one context but not in an, another so when people say it's the thought that counts when it comes to something like this the thought doesn't mean anything you have to get it done or it doesn't exist yeah. right so <laughs> it, the thought is, is is nice in your head but it doesn't really count for much in the real world so uh, yeah we've all thought oh I should do this someday or I could do that or during the pandemic everyone was going to become an expert in, in 50 different things but um, unless you actually do it the thought doesn't amount to much so I think it's great that you you know translate that thought uh, into action. And um, in the last few minutes, I was just curious, you know, I know you're working on a second book, I believe. Anything you can, you know, tease about that that next project? Yeah, no, so I, I am. Um, it's very slow coming and uh, a couple of reasons why it is. Uh, so when I, when I wrote Space Between Us, um, at the time, I didn't I didn't have any children, and now, now I have a child, so yeah. that eats up a lot more of my time. Uh, the other thing is, as I mentioned, I I wrote the majority of this book, honestly, like you know, eighty eighty five percent of it on my commute uh, on on the Bart ride into work, and so uh, now that I'm not commuting into work and I'm working from home, uh, that that sort of time uh, has gone away. So. Um, but so it, I, I am. Uh, it's not related to space between us. It's it's an entirely different story, um, and I'm just you know kind of plunking away at it as as I can with you know having a full time job, trying to raise a child. Um, you know, life in a way is kind of almost gotten busier uh, in a pandemic, which is odd because you kind of get afforded more time. But um, you know, trying to watch your kid while you're working at the same time can be challenging. But um, yes, I, I am in the in the process of writing a second book, and I think it'll probably be a few years before I before I fully complete it. But uh, my hope is that I do eventually get there. I, well, I hope you do too. And you know, based on what we're just talking about, it'll it'll happen when you make it happen. So I think you're 
trying to find that that balance to get it done. And look at you saying you're not an author. You wrote a book and you're working on your second one. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think definitely that I'm would make you learning. make I'm you an learning. author. But yeah, I think it is, it is funny how you're like, wait, I'm an author. But yeah, you've you know, you've written a book. But I think a lot of people can have that experience where they think uh, they're not they're not what they actually are because, you know, they take those actions to make it happen. But I definitely look forward to reading that book. Uh, you know, when it gets done. And I appreciate you that you did write this book because I got to read it and, and enjoy it and uh, definitely been reflecting on it. I read it throughout the week. So different parts of it I, I was I was reading. And by the end of it, um, there was a lot to digest. And so I just finished it yesterday. So I'll keep keep thinking about it. But I'm very grateful uh, to you for have, having written this book. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm very grateful to you for you to have me uh, on your show uh, to, to talk about it. Um, I always like, you know, just uh, talking to people about these kind of things and uh, uh, talking about what motivates us, uh, why, you know, why we do the things that we want to do. And uh, a lot of it for me was uh, just something I, I noticed within ourselves as a, as a society, as a civilization, and, and uh, wanting to express how I'm kind of doing it right now and hmm. what we need to do to really better ourselves as a result. So. Yeah, I yeah. think that, I thank you for having me on for sure. Oh, it's it's been a pleasure, and like I said, it was a pleasure to read read your book. And yeah, I think that that was uh, interesting for me in the book of seeing, you know, what makes the characters tick. That's what I think is always nice about fiction is you get to get insight into people's thinking and what motivates them, what's going on, and you see different perspectives. People who are, uh, you know going through different changes, people that are upset with changes and people that are different from them, but some people who can overcome that as well. And I think, you know, probably in reading this book, I can relate to almost everyone in some way that obviously it's easy to say, you know, when someone's different, be completely accepting and have no thoughts, but we can, you know, it's, it could first come up that, oh, they're different and it might make you think certain things. But I think you also can see that, well, that doesn't mean I have to be afraid of them and I can still love them. Um, no matter what. And so that theme of loving, you know, every being, you know, essentially is something I felt in this book, all all living beings. I know you didn't mention, although there was actually Mindy was a vegetarian, I think. So that was maybe some <laughs> way of, of bringing that in there that maybe we can love all beings. We don't have to be uh, hurting anybody or any kind of living being that comes up, whether they're, you know, you know them or not, or feel like they're different from you or not. We can always have love and respect for others. So I appreciated that in the book. And again, I really appreciated you writing it. And thank you for joining me tonight on the show. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. Sorry. Yeah. So hopefully when you, you know, write that second book, would love to have you on then. But uh, for now, I guess we'll just have to enjoy this one. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to come on again for sure. Awesome. Thank you, Jamal. Appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. All right. So again, that was Jamal Aflatuni who wrote the book Space Between Us. Uh, as he says here in the book, you can, you know, he recommends supporting independent bookstores so you can get it from them. I, I can't lie. I did get it from Amazon because I hadn't seen this part. But um, you can also write, you know, read the book and write a review about it uh, to support a really good guy and a great author. Again, that's Space Between Us. Big thank you to Jamal Aflatuni for joining me on the show tonight. All right. That's it for tonight. Big thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to in session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful night. Mm-hmm.